Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water, do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. Host Joshua Fisher previews the Big Ten and the Pac-12, so buckle up and tuck it into your waistband, because here we go, three, two, one... We're back. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. We're back, baby. It's the charity stripe. Hit your free throws because they free. So would 174 coming hot at you guys, and so would 173. And I'm going solo today. Nikki Snacks Krida is at a music festival enjoying some great music. And Toss Me the Rock Tosopolis is at a wedding in Dallas. So I am going solo. Josh Fisher here reporting for the Big Ten and Pac-12 previews on behalf of the charity stripe. I can't remember the last time... I went solo. It's been a minute. It feels weird, you know, because usually they'll chime in. Toss has a little water thing. He does the beginning, which I try to do. I practiced in the mirror. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't recreate it. So I'm not going to botch it. I'm not going to ruin it for sake of tradition. I don't roll like that. All right. Just being honest with you guys. And yeah, I don't listen. I, I my memory has gone to shit. I was going to say I can't remember what I had for dinner tonight, but I totally can because it was my first time having Ethiopian food. My first Ethiopian food experience. Eat with your hands, and you wrap it in this little moist bread, the food, and it's seasoned well, and it's an experience. I, I didn't sweat as much as I thought I would. The coffee was great, um, which has helped me stay up to record this thing. And yeah, overall, 10 out of 10, would do again, would recommend. But you got to go with a friend because I, I, I thought it was ridiculous. You know, they have a little blurb that you're supposed to feed whoever you're with the food, right? You're supposed to put it in their mouths. But you know what? I, I was the only one that was not doing that at the restaurant because I was eating solo. I thought I was like, you know, I'll have a quick solo meal by myself. And I turn around, and everyone's feeding each other. Like I almost asked the people next to me, yo, can I, can you, you want to feed me or can I feed you? But that would have been a little too creepy and I was a little sweaty it was after a run. So without further ado, enough chitta chatta. Let's get into the previews. College football is back, baby. That's right. It feels like just yesterday we were, we were speculating whether Kyler Murray would be good or not in his first season at Oklahoma. And guess what? He was Heisman winner. Tua almost won the Heisman, almost won the Natty, but was upended by freshman Trevor Lawrence. Sensation. He's back. But we're not talking ACC. We're not talking Big 12. We're not talking 
SEC, we're going to the Big Ten. And the Big Ten is the most wide open it's been in years. Urban Meyer had dominated the Big Ten, right? 58-5 and record at Ohio State during his tenure in conference play. But he's gone. Ryan Day is in at Ohio State. And Michigan, the Wolverines, are the favorite to win the Big Ten East this season. And the Big Ten East has been dominant, all right? They haven't lost a conference game since NAM. They've been walloping the Big Ten West. So usually the winner of the Big Ten East is the favorite to win the entire conference and has a good chance, if they can run the table, to obviously go to the college football playoff. Michigan, though, enters the season with a 14-year streak without a conference title. Harbaugh has yet to beat Ohio State. The man can't do it at 55. Like, come on, brother. Come on, my man. But you know what? They're sponsored by Jordan. He looks great in that sweatshirt. I think this is the year he can get it done. It's second year with Shea Patterson. They bring in Josh Gaddis, who was one of the offensive coordinators for Bama last season. Don Brown always churns out a great defense. To win, though, Shea Patterson, who had a QB rating of 150 last season, but he had a 130 in the losses they had. He needs to form the most dangerous Big Ten duo with Donovan Peoples-Jones. The offensive line is stout and top of the line with a combined 87 starts in three years. All the guys in the offensive line at the very least, have earned third-team preseason Big Ten honors. And the D has thinned out. They've lost some guys, but Brown can work with whatever he has. And Khalil Hudson, he, Khalil Hudson needs to be Jabril Peppers. He needs to. He needs to be that hybrid defensive back linebacker. He needs to create havoc. Sometimes all it really takes is that one defensive standout in college football to really put a team to the next level. That one guy who you kind of have to game plan for and always know where they are on offense. Um, Ohio State has it in Chase Young. So if a guy could step up for de- on defense for the Wolverines, that would put make a big push. But Tariq Black, who was a big blue chip receiver, if he can stay healthy. Shea Patterson, again, in his second year at Michigan. I mean, things are looking good. Gaddis was a great coordinator for Obama last year. That offense did wonders and was made the national championship and almost produced a Heisman winner. Not saying Patterson's going to win the Heisman, but in a year where there's a big coaching turnover against their biggest opponent, this is their time to strike. Right? They have Ohio State at home, which in the game, it, it's, it's going to favor them. Right, you can't you can't sleep on that. That's a big advantage right there for the Michigan Wolverines. Even though I I fucking hate them, I do. I grew up an Ohio State fan, and everybody and their mother in Long Island or the Westchester area, even if they don't go there, they they grew up rooting for Michigan. I don't understand it. It's it's, it's ridiculous. It's like Long Island 2.0. I mean, Ann Arbor looks fun as hell, just a bit cold for my tasting, you know. And I would love to go to a game there. I would love to see how it goes down. But I'm pulling for Ohio State, I'm, but I won't be biased. I think Michigan's going to take it this year. And now Nikki Snacks Kreider, way back, had called them going to the college football playoffs. Could that be the case? I don't know. They're going to have to run the table. They cannot get upset. They can't drop a game to Michigan State, right? And Michigan State's beat them. They, they have Michigan State at home this year, but Michigan State's won the last two games in Ann Arbor they've played. All right, they can't drop those games. They have to, of course, take care of business against Ohio State. Ohio State's my number two team in the East. If Ohio State wins less than 11 games or finishes outside the top 12, it'll be for the first time since 2011. 
Four offensive linemen are gone from the starting five. Three of the top four in receptions leave as well. K.J. Hill returns. I love him. I think he's a big-time receiver. Could be a big draft pick. And within the first three rounds, J.K. Dobbins returns after an up-and-down season at the running back. They need to get the running game going. Dwayne Haskins had the best passing season in Big Ten history. Can Justin Fields replicate that? Probably not, especially since, again, a lot of the offensive linemen are gone. That being said, I think Ryan Day won't necessarily miss a beat as a coach. Greg Madison's defense is going to be great, and Chase Young could be the 1-1. He could be better than Bosa. He could be a better prospect than Bosa. He could be the top pick in next year's draft if he plays his cards right and has a fully healthy season. The defense was at an all-time worst, second-worst season defensively, statistically, since 1990. So Ohio State really has to come in and take care of business defensively, right? They have to upset Michigan in Ann Arbor, which is going to be tough. But all eyes are on Justin Fields, the transfer. He he left Penn State to go to Georgia. Left Georgia after Fromm held on to the job to go to Ohio. Go to Ohio State. <clears throat> he forced Tate Martell out to Miami. This kid, the sky's the limit for this kid. He's a big time prospect, a big time recruit. He just really has to put it all together in his first season at Ohio State if they want to contend. If they want to, if they have, they want to go to the college football playoffs. They want to win the Big Ten. That needs to be the case. But I, I just don't see it. I think it's a bit of a transition year, and it's nothing against Ryan Day. I think he'll be a good coach. That being said, it, it, there's just a lot of loss in the line, right? I think Okuda's going to be a really good defensive back prospect for him to, at his best to be a day-two kind of guy, top-end day-two kind of guy at safety. Um, they have some nice players at Ohio State. I like, again, I like K.J. Hill and J.K. Dobbins. It's just can Fields and Day form a dangerous duo and take down Harbaugh and Patterson. They may have a higher ceiling, but the floor is definitely lower, which in the Big Ten with a lot of good defenses can really hurt. Who do I have at three? A lot of people have Penn State at three, but I have Michigan State as my number three team. Mark D'Antonio is an absolute beast, like a, to- like a total legend, right? He's so experienced. He's been great. He's been mediocre, but like he was last season going 7-6. And, and he's, he's sucked utter balls as lately as 2016 when he went 3-9. and nine. He's never left. He was never fired. He never went to, like, you know, like a, like a bigger program. He never tried to go to, like, a, like a higher-profile place like Miami, you know, like Michigan, right? Like, like Ohio State when the opportunity arose. Like, when you know, like he's never tried to pull any strings or make any maneuvers. He stuck it out in Lansing. And I think he's a good head coach, man. I really do. I, do I think he's as good as, like, a Peterson or Washington or Saban or Dabo. No, I, I don't think he's in that ranks, but he's like a step below. He's like a tier two guy, right? I mean, the offense was a massive issue last year, a massive issue, right? I mean, they lost, I mean, they had less than 13 points in five of the six losses. Lewerke, a guy we really liked, couldn't really get it done. Um, Darrell Stewart Jr., a guy who Nikki Snacks Kreider loved, who I loved, a big play receiver, they couldn't get it done. They disappointed hard last year, very hard. If they're a solid duo, if they if they can be a top three quarterback receiver duo in the Big Ten, then this could be a 9-10 team, 9-10 win team, right? They host Penn State. They go to Ann Arbor, but they've won the last two meetings there. They can play some serious upset here. They can play some really good football. And why do I have them at number three? Walk on All-American Kenny Willick and Raekwon Williams forming one of the most dangerous defensive line duos in all of college football. In a conference with good quarterback play, you have to put pressure on the quarterback. It's just the bottom line. 
right? I mean, this is this is this is a team that's going to be competitive. I mean, the run was bad last year. It was, it was just pure shit. They ran three point eight yards per carry, right? I mean, but they were they they were a top five defense last year. That shouldn't change. They had an elite run game on the opposite side of the football. They really nailed down the run well. I I think this Michigan State team could turn some heads. They were they were disappointing at seven and six last year. I thought they would be a lot better. You know, I really did. I I, I didn't think Lewerke was going to be like an all changing like a Kirk Cousins esque quarterback, right? At Michigan State, but I really think Darrell Stewart can can do something dangerous. I really do. I, I think he's a good wide receiver, um, and I think this this team could be dangerous. You know, it's just like the, the, it's open. Yes, they had to play at Ohio State. Yes, they have to play at Michigan. But they have games at home. And yes, they have to play at Northwestern, who, who, by the way, won the West last year. But other than that, they have Penn State at home, like I said, right? They have easy games to start home against Tulsa, Western Michigan. Arizona State's nothing to write home about. And then home against Indiana for their first five games. They have to go to Wisconsin. But if they could win one, two of, they could go two and two in away games against Wisco, Ohio State, and Michigan. I mean, this team will be in the they'll be in a good bowl game and they could potentially be in the conversation for the title of the East barring a disaster from Michigan or Ohio State. Listen, Michigan or Ohio State one only one team can win win the game, right? So as long if if they could be one of those teams away miraculously, then this this is a really dangerous team. This is a team that can be playing for something, right? I think they're going to turn some heads. I think they'll be a surprise team in the Big Ten. I got Penn State coming in at number four. I mean, you can't say enough about James Franklin. Unfortunately, this team blew two massive games, one against Ohio State when they abandoned the running with Trace McSorley, who, who had an amazing game up until you know the final minutes against Ohio State, and they, they really could have won that one. Dwayne Haskins was phenomenal, and they blew it against Michigan State too. They end up getting waxed by Michigan, and they fall flat in a bowl game against Kentucky, which could have really saved face for last year's squad. Again, though, Franklin has saved this program in an unprecedented manner. I mean, I don't think anybody on the planet thought that he'd be able to do what he's done in his first few seasons as a Penn State head coach. It, it's been absolutely phenomenal. Yitor Gross-Matos is, is going to be a beast. Micah Parsons is a fantastic former five-star linebacker. Those two in the front seven are going to be dangerous. Gross-Matos seals the edge almost unlike anybody else in college football. He's a great defensive end, could be a back-end first-round pick, could be a top-20 pick if he plays his cards right and has a great season. Now, the issue is they weren't good against the run. I think having Micah Parsons as a linebacker, a more seasoned player, I think he could help fix things. No McSorley and no Barkley, obviously, for the first time in a long time. But blue-chip quarterback Shane Clifford, you know, he'll get the reins in Ricky Reigns' offense. They're both their second years. More head left for Mississippi State, and they lost a lot of explosiveness. They were a little more conservative last year. I think this team could be good, not great. I think they'll obviously be competitive. I just don't. Th- I think this is kind of like a retooling year, or like a year where you know they, they don't. They're kind of placated. But those recruiting classes, the back-to-back amazing recruiting classes, you'll see some guys sprout up this year and going forward. I think they'll really put out some great talent. Five, I have Maryland. I mean, Maryland's last year was just, was with McNair's unfortunate death, which was just complete disaster and, and horrifying, right? Durkin firing. Was he going to be fired? He was taking a leave of absence. Canada was the coach. They don't bring him in. Finally, they settle on Loxley, who's had 
kind of a tumultuous career as a coach, but it's his second stint in Maryland. And he's a very good recruiter, right? He's a very good recruiter. They bring in Josh Jackson, the former Virginia quarterback, who we mistakenly, Virginia Tech quarterback, sorry, who we accidentally loved last year out of Virginia Tech. And after the Old Dominion catastrophe, it was all downhill for them. But he's a good quarterback. I don't listen, they're not going to win the Big Ten. But what does Maryland know? Crab cakes in football, right? If we're talking crab cakes, who's number one in the Big Ten? Maryland, the Terps. If we're talking football, not number one. But they that's all they know there. I, I think Loxley can – I don't know this, man. I don't, I don't think they're going to make a dent this year. They could play – upset. listen, they, they beat Texas week one, and Texas went on to win a huge bowl game against Georgia. And, and honestly, has title aspirations, not unbiasedly. They have title aspirations and at the very least Big 12 aspirations. And Maryland handed them a loss week one last year. I think this Maryland team could be decent and could play a spoiler in a couple games down the line, right? I think I think Loxley will make a dent as a recruiter in the Maryland DC area in the, in the upcoming seasons. And listen, and, and they there's good talent in the East. It's now you know it's it's not like the South, obviously, but the Northeast has some good talent. I think Loxley will be a good recruiter come time in the fall, and then Indiana. I have them at six. Peyton Ramsey's back. Stevie Scott's back. Both are good, solid offensive college players. Um, you know, they just they just can't beat the big four, being Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. They two and twenty two against them since two thousand thirteen, which is just come on, man. Like you know, and they're twenty nine and twenty one against everyone else in the Big Twelve, Big Ten. So I mean that's impressive, but other than that, you can't really expect much. Rutgers, I mean Rutgers, is just sucks. Like I could like I could get into depth about Rutgers football here, but do I? I'm not going to waste anybody's time. They're not going to do anything crazy, and it's I don't think anybody really. No offense, I think you know if you play at Rutgers, it's it's an unbelievable. It's something I could never do. It's it's an unbelievable accomplishment. You're a D1 college athlete playing at a high level. That being said, just not a good football program. I just kind of, outside the McCourty brothers and the the villainous Ray Rice, they they really produced nobody, you know, off the top of my head as of late. And it's just the you know, it's just a couple big name guys and it's just a not competitive program. So unfortunately, sorry Rutgers, we're not going to get crazy into you because you're just not going to make that dent. In the West, we got Wisconsin at number one. They were eight and five after a thirteen and one year, where they won the West. Last year, they lost the West, the West to Northwestern. The twenty seventeen defense was great. Last year, just fell short. Graham Mertz is the biggest QB name they've had on campus since Russell Westbrook. Not Russell, Russell Wilson. Sorry, Westbrook never played college QB for Wisconsin. Uh, Hornibrook was like. We really gonna get excited about that guy? He just couldn't get it done. He's transferring to Florida State. He'll maybe he'll play there. Who knows? Honestly, I, I, that guy was never going to win you a Big Ten championship. That, that's just the case. Can his kid Graham Mertz do it? I don't know, but he's the biggest prospect at quarterback Paul Christ has got in his career, and it's the biggest Wisconsin prospect since they've landed again transfer Russell Wilson a couple years back. I mean, John Taylor is the best running back in the FBS. He ran for 2,200 yards, which is just nonsense. Like, nobody does that. Nobody, like, unless, you you know, you're Melvin Gordon or Monty Ball. Shout out to Monty Ball. Just a huge throwback right there. No one runs for over 2,000 yards, really. That's just absolutely amazing. Um, they need to replace four offensive linemen, including All-American 2017 tackle Dave Edwards. But that's just, like, it's Wisconsin, dude. It's like replacing fries at McDonald's. Like, boom. 
French fries are out. Okay, amazing fries are back in. It's like they, they, they literally cycle. These guys, they breed these massive dudes who turn into prospects at the next level. I mean, the loss to BYU last year, right? They have both Michigan squads at home this year. I mean, if they want to contend, they got to win one of those games, and they can't have losses like the BYU 24-21 loss. Again, I think if they roll with this freshman, he'll have some growing pains, but the kid Hornbrook, he really just couldn't make any big plays and get it done for me. I was never excited about that guy. My number two team in the West will turn some heads. A lot of people love Iowa. A lot of people love Northwestern to repeat. I'm going with Nebraska. Again, they're a hot pick. Scott Frost. I mean, the last time that team won a national championship, who was the quarterback? Scott Frost, QB1. They started 0-6 last year, and I thought, wow, this is going to be a complete disaster. Scott Frost had led the UCF Knights not only to a 13-win season undefeated, he beat Auburn in a bowl game after Auburn beat both Georgia and Bama, the two teams that year, in the BCS. People were saying that UCF should play Bama for the national championship. Obviously, there was no way that was going to happen, right? But Scott Frost is in at Nebraska, and I just think this team's good. They have Ohio State, Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin all at home this year, right? In his, in his first year, at UCF, a team that did not win a game by the time they were 0 12 when he got there the year before. He won six games his first year and then went 13 0 his next year. I don't think that turnaround is going to happen, but they were 4 8 last year, winning four of their last six. And the two losses, right? One was a five point loss in Columbus, and the other was a three point loss in Iowa City, right? I, I, they lost a couple unlucky games. They lost an unlucky game to Colorado. They lost, you know, other. Un, it just you can't. They lost an unlucky game to Northwestern, right when they were up thirty-one to twenty-one. This team with Nate Stanley at the helm and Captain Kirk back again for, for his like twentieth year. Was he's been coaching the team since nineteen ninety-nine, almost as long as I've been alive. They lose Noah Font. They lose T.J. Hawkinson. But Espinosa is, is is one of the most exciting prospects in the game. If he had, if he was going, if he was at Alabama, if he was at Clemson, if he was at Georgia or Ohio State, this guy would probably be be talked about as the first overall pick. I'm not even kidding you. He could be better than Chase Young. He probably is better than Chase Young as far as a consistency standpoint. Maybe his ceiling's not as high, right? Or he's not as athletic. But that guy, this guy is constant product. Espinosa is an AJ Espinosa is an absolute beast. Love him for Iowa, and I like Nate Stanley too. I think he's fine. I don't think he's as good as Fields could be. I don't think he's better than Shade Patterson, but he's better than Lewerke. He's better than Hornibrook was last year, right? I think he could be really good as a junior in Iowa. Um, again, they have a solid schedule, right? Um, but they, they, they do play at Nebraska, Wisco, Michigan, Northwestern, and at and Iowa State. It's just kind of ridiculous. The Kinnick is my favorite stadium outside DKR. I, they have good games. When I, mean, when I say solid schedule, they have good games. You know, where they can really, those winning those games, like, listen, I don't think they'll win at Wisco or Michigan. But if they win at Northwestern, if they win at Iowa State, who, by the way, is going to be good, do not count the Cyclones in any regard. And if they win at Nebraska, if they go 3-2 and two in those games, this is going to be a team that's ranked in the top 20. Those are some tough games. They have a good schedule as an opportunity for this team. That's what they have to do. If, they, if Iowa wants to be ranked high, they have to, they want big games, they have to win the big games. That's going to be the key for them. They return four corners. Right, four major corners from last year, um, and a guy again who could be the best defensive player in the Big Ten. Right, and again, the stadium is so cool. Like, I call me a sucker, call me a sap, but the the, hot, the whole thing where it's right by the hospital is absolutely beautiful. It's one of the best things in college football, if not the best thing. Northwestern, I have at four. 
Pat Fitzgerald is icy as hell. He is the Josh Fisher college football coaches. Not not elite by any means, but when push comes to shove, the guy delivers 45 and 26 in one-score games against a 51 and 44 in multi-score contests. I mean, come on. That's clutch as shit. I mean, the guy won the Big Ten last year, West, even though he lost to Akron without LeBron James. They bring back a lot of receivers and defensive players, including Patty Fisher. That's P-A-D-D-Y Fisher. It's a sick name. Former five-star Clemson recruit Hunter Johnson is now under center. They were 5-1 and one last year in one-score games, including two ridiculous ones, as the aforementioned Iowa one and the aforementioned Nebraska game, which, which the Nebraska one was a 99-yard touchdown drive in under two minutes. Right? I, I, Hunter Johnson, listen, he, didn't, he couldn't beat out Kelly Bryan, and then obviously he lost the job to Trevor Lawrence, so he transferred to Northwestern, sat out last year behind Thorson, and now has the reins. This guy is a five-star recruit. He could be legit. He could be a legit quarterback. They could play spoiler in a lot of games. Again, they're going 5-1 and one in one-score games. It's a lot of luck, and it's luck of the Irish with Mr. Pat Fitzgerald. Purdue at 5. Brom is, is a stud head coach, dude. 0-3 last year. They smacked Iowa to start. Didn't really matter. They smacked Ohio State, rooting Myers last season. Made a bowl. Got smacked by Auburn 63-14. to But they have Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore it could be the best receiver not named Jerry Judy in the country. And that's right. I am, a, I am team Jerry Judy as a top five pick. I th- I, I'm, not a crazy, I'm not crazy about taking receivers, especially nowadays in the top five, top ten. You know, Ever since like the Odell Mike Evans draft with the Cooks draft, it's it's kind of gone downhill. That being said, I, I think this guy Jerry Judy's legit, but that's some SEC talk. Rondell Moore is a stud though, five nine, fire crack a playmaker, number four for Purdue Boilermakers. Which I don't know if you guys like that team. They they have some of the best team names in the Big Ten. I think I think the Buckeyes are pretty cool. I think the Boilermakers is inter- it's polarizing but good. I think Nebraska, the Cornhuskers. What's a cooler name than the Cornhuskers? Have you ever shucked an ear of corn? It's not easy. It looks like it would be a joke. Not necessarily the case. Um, so I have them at five. They could play spoiler. They just have a tough schedule. They're away against Wisco, Iowa, and Penn State. Not easy games. But those are games they could play spoiler at. Listen, if they go into Wisconsin and beat them at home, that could ruin their season. Illinois, uh, they have a solid. They had a solid recruiting class. Isaiah Williams was the big, you know, he's an athlete and a four-star recruit. That was the big get for Lovey Smith's boys. I was stoked, and you know I feel bad about saying I cream my pants a little bit when Lovey Smith, you know, is signed to be the head coach of Illinois. I thought that'd be cool. Nothing's really worked out, honestly. So that's kind of been disappointing. The best games though for the Big Ten. Ohio State at Michigan, obviously the game November 30th, Michigan at Wisconsin. That's one of the first Big Ten games. It's week four, September 21st. Michigan State at Michigan, November 16th. Ohio State at Nebraska, September 28th, which could ruin Ohio State's season early on. And then Iowa at Wisconsin, November 9th, which could be the game for the Big West title. Players to watch, two guys open up at 10-1 to odds to win the Heisman. Justin Fields, who's not played a snap for Ohio State yet, and Adrian Martinez, who was just a freshman last year. John Taylor, JT, 18-1 to odds, and obviously Espineza and Chase Young, who could be top five, potentially first overall picks next season. John Taylor was the guy, though. I, I think he's a beast. I, I would take – he's got a lot of mileage, so I wouldn't necessarily take him you know, in the first round, but he's like a good, like a Bryce Love kind of guy who I could see getting going go in the second, third round next year, who could be a good running back in the next level. I really like John Taylor. Pac-12, we're just, I'm smoking through this shit. Oh my God, dude. I, I, you know what? 
when you go so long, like, you remember in The Princess Bride when Andre the Giant loses a fight to to Wesley, a.k.a. the Dread Pirate Roberts? A little history of, you know, The Princess Bride for you guys. He loses a fight because he's just not, he's so used to fighting five to ten guys in one shot. I'm so used to having Nikki Snacks Krida and, and Toss Me the Rock with me that, you know, my, my breath support. It, it, it's it's a it's a marathon going solo on the podcast especially after you do well you hundred something shows at least with somebody else in the room right now i'm solo i think there's no one in my new apartment i've been hearing weird noises honestly it's been freaking me the fuck out um but if anyone's there come out no nope, nobody so i guess i guess i'm solo right now on this podcast i'm so at 174 um, but yeah, it, it, it's a marathon, you know, I have like an, I have the water open because I need it so much. It's, it's interesting, right? You, you, I remember like the first one I did, I was under my blanket solo, naked, no, I had underwear on. Now I'm in my underwear in my living room because they're not here and the new studio is not set up or the nudio again isn't set up because we just you know we've been unpacking boxes the studio is cool though the old studio for those who didn't know now you know was in my bedroom it looks sweet if you saw it on instagram but it was in my bedroom now we just have a full room for the studio and that should be pretty cool a little more inviting for guests so like to like wait where's your bed but when your bed turns into a couch it just becomes this whole ordeal that i don't feel awkward about but i imagine one in every like five guests we have on the show is like eh, a little shaky on it right but Anyway, enough about me in my in my makeshift bed. We'll get into Pac-12 football talk. The number one team in the North, King of the North, King of the North. Uh, Chris Peterson. He's guys. He's a wizard. Okay. He he loses guys year in and year out to the draft. Rap and Murphy last year. Vita the year before, and, and the year before that, three second round DBs. Three. Like I mean, the, first of all, the guy produces such good NFL talent, and yet his defense in those three years has never fallen out of the top fifteen. Not once, right? They're they're just not. They're the only issue I have with with Washington. I thought Jake Browning was a fine and was a fine college quarterback. But if you want to win the national title, you you need to have some big playability, and he just didn't have that. He there was no way that guy was better than you know. There was he he was good enough to get you to the college football playoffs, good enough to win the Pac-12 title. He just he was not as good as Tua. He's not he's not like a Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence explosive explosive player. I don't know if Jacob Eason, who steps in, former Georgia quarterback, he steps in at Washington. I don't know if he's going to be that in Seattle, but he he should be better. Right, they they had just twelve gains of forty plus yards, which was eighty third in the FBS. If they can knock that to the top fifty, this team, hopefully, this defense under Peterson could really hold the other teams at bay. Right, they're going for their third Pac twelve title in four years, and four of the but they have in four of the five toughest opponents on the schedule visit Seattle. Their first real test isn't until they play Stanford away, which is a big game. October 5th. I mean, no offense to BYU, and you, I should never underestimate BYU because they always do some serious fucking damage when you least expect it. Or USC could be good, but they're just it's just what-ifs. I'm not going to be an old upset alert, right? I, I like Washington. I think Washington's going to be a good team. I don't know if they're going to contend for a natty, but I think they'll be the favorite for the Pac-12 title. Two, I got Oregon. Again, I think the North is just so much better than the South. It's ridiculous. Truthfully, I think they have. I think they have the four, three, at least the three best teams are in the North. Oregon returns two sophomore running backs who combined for almost twenty-two hundred yards. 
and receiving yards. Four of the last year's five top receivers, 153 career starts in the offensive line, and almost all of last year's defensive line and secondary. It's a great return for Cristobal. It's a really good return, not to mention their best player, Justin Herbert, another guy who, who's in the mix for the first overall pick. The first overall pick's really up in the air, but with a lot of good talent. It's a good top-heavy draft, I think. I think there's a, actually it's going to be a really good first round. There's about like five or six guys who I think will get into that hopefully at the end of the college football preview. Um, there's about five or six guys who are going to be in contention for, that, contention for that first overall pick. That being, you know, Herbert from Espinosa Young, Tua, Jerry Judy, yeah, a receiver can go first. I'm that crazy right now. I'm feeling a little nuts. But Herbert's back, and he's awesome, right? They, they just can't have random duds. Like, they, they lost, you know, they only scored 15 against the Arizona State in the loss. They scored seven against Michigan State last year randomly. I mean, they have Auburn. That's the op- they open with Auburn. That's the big game. It's the big neutral site game against Auburn, right? And Stanford... Washington and USC are all away. Well, I I don't think they're going to beat Washington, and I think Stanford's really good too. I think I could flip flop Stanford and Oregon honestly. I just think Oregon's a safer pick. But if they beat Auburn, then they beat and they beat Stanford. Listen, they could take down Washington if they get hot. I think they'll beat USC. I think USC is going to be better than they were last year. I just don't know if they'll be good enough for Clay Helton to keep his job or to take down these guys, the Ducks. I'm excited to see the jerseys, though. The jerseys are always fucking sick. Stanford's my number three. We're like 2B, like the 2A. Speaking of King of the North, KJ Costello was King of the North last year by the time from November on, right? 65 completion percentage, 8.6 yards per pass, 157.4 passer rating against Power 5 defenses, and 153.5 general passer rating from November on. He was amazing. The only issue is they lose J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who, who's unbelievable. Great get for the Philadelphia Eagles. They lose Bryce Love, too, which is why I have them at number three. They do get to host. They host Oregon, they host Washington, and they host Notre Dame. I pray to God they beat Notre Dame. And they have three across the row. On the line, they have Swan, Javon Swan, who's going to be really good. Linebacker Jordan Fox and sophomore corner, who's going to be a sensation, Paulson Adebo. I mean, this guy's going to be a complete beast. So it's three guys across the defense who are going to be really good in each level. It's just losing Love, who's a workhorse. It didn't have the year he thought he would last year, but losing Arcega Whiteside, who's a big play receiver and just a dangerous red zone target, I think they'll be able to replace them. I think K.J. Costello is good enough to challenge Herbert, to challenge Jacob Eason and Peterson. I just, I'm not as confident. There's not enough on the table for me to be. I need to see them play a game or two before my mind can change. Washington State's, Washington State's my number four. I have them moved up. I had them at the bottom last year. They're my number four in the north. Mike Leach's wazoo. I mean, the, the Cougars are going to throw the ball more than anybody else, and they're going to keep it simple. You just know that's the case. Ryan Leaf broke down Washington State for us when he was on the show. I mean, like, we, we they lose Falk. We go, okay, they're going to suck with Gardner Minshew. They, he was amazing. Right, it's it's like third times third times the charm. All of a sudden, if you're this is just a question I'm thinking, and I could be wrong because the offense could be too simple for people, and that and that's a red flag come NFL time. It's just if you're a quarterback and you want to put up the big numbers and you want to be competitive and you want to have the stats and you want to have and you want the eyes on you for the NFL's for the NFL's you know draft and the scouts. Why not go to Mike Leach's system? I don't know. Why not do something crazy and put up ridiculous numbers? Gage Gubbard is, is he he played for Eastern 
Washington last year. He's transferring over. He, against, you know, Washington State, had in his career has over 700 yards, more than any of the other quarterbacks have in their career, just in general, and nine touchdowns. I mean, he is the guy, and he's a, he's a mobile quarterback. I mean, this guy, again, Gage could turn some serious heads as, a, as another grad transfer that Washington State is bringing in. Their defense just isn't good, and they've lost the last six straight Apple Cups. So, I mean, I can't be confident in them winning at all. And then or Cal, did good defense, bad offense, which is ironic because they produced, obviously, Jared Goff and Davis Webb, who've had, you know, one great, one good quarterbacks at Cal. The defense under Wilcox has been really good, but the offense has been hard. Hopefully, you know, the defense is good enough where they play spoiler against a team or two and make some, make some interesting football in college football. That's what we love, interesting shit, right? Upsets. Oregon State, they went 2-10 and 10 last year. And they're, I mean, the Beavers is like a weak-ass name comparatively to the Big Ten names. And, and like, if I'm not going to talk about Rutgers, I'm definitely not going to talk about Oregon State. I mean, I'm not going to you know who really. Come on. If you give a shit, I'm sorry. Go read an article on CBS Sports. Wait, you, you can't be like, listen, it's a podcast. You know, people's attention spans, and no offense to anybody, could only go for so long. I think I know I, I hate to be like this. I know this is a sports show, and I know we're supposed to be covering every team fairly. But listen, you know who's the boss? We are our own bosses. And, and my talk about Ethiopian food could be slightly more interesting than my discussion about Oregon State football. I'm sorry. It's, it's just simply the case. I don't think anybody's Jones. And if Oregon State somehow has a great season or plays some upsets or, or even wins the Pac-12 North, I will chop my nuts off on Facebook Live. I'll do it. Slice the boys right off on Facebook Live. I don't really give it, and no one even no one's even on Facebook, so th- that threat doesn't even hold any dividends anymore. So I, that, that's how confident I am. In the South, Utah is this is just so up in the air because you got Utah, USC, obviously Arizona, and ASU, who I all think will contend for the South. It's it's they're like one A, B, C, and D. Off the safest pick is Utah, so I'm going with them. I think Whittingham, oh, he always put together a good defense by Pac-12 standards. Last season's top four ends and top three tackles all returned. Huntley's back under center. He he had an injury-riddled season, but he was good, and he's got all his weapons back. An underrated stud back, Zach Moss, also returns. Moss had some injuries last year, too. I, I think he's a really good running back. Who could run Utah to a South title again? USC, is they're, they're one year removed from a 21 wins in 24 games. 21 wins in 24 games. They're one year removed from that. Clay Helton's under fire because it's USC. If you're going to coach at USC, you better win. I'm sorry. This is not a slouch program. This isn't like an up-and-coming program where you have, you know, you're, there's leeway. You either win or you don't. You get the hell out. Because they can virtually get whoever they want. And I don't know. It's a great place to go to college. I don't know if you've ever, you know, been to USC's campus, but there's like a there's like a one of the nicest Trader Joe's under the dorm rooms I've ever seen in my entire life. It, it, it is ridiculous. There's palm trees, you know. Uh, come on, like beautiful women at USC. It, it is just like a dynamite place to go to school. Uh, no wonder it's a recruiting hotbed. It's it's just can you know can JT Daniels be what JT Daniels is supposed to be, right? Can they have good receivers? St. Brown and Pittman Jr., the three of them could be a three-headed monster and could be super dangerous. Ironically, Kingsbury, who was supposed to be the offensive coordinator, is gone, and Graham Harrell, another tech guy, replaces him, right? They're just going to, you know they're going to throw the ball like crazy. Can he form that three-headed monster and be efficient? If they can, then guess what? They'll win the South. If not, they're just going to flounder again. 
They're at Notre Dame and Washington and Stanford. Week two is brutal. Those are three big games. At Notre Dame and at Washington are tough. Can Notre Dame join a conference already? God, I mean, they play the Pac-12 so much. Just join. I know they're not in the Pacific. Just join the Pac-12, which make me, it makes me so uncomfortable. It's, like, ridiculous at this point, right? God, it's like, the, it's like they're the only team in college football that doesn't have a blue check next to their name. It's like, just get the blue check already. Just get the blue check already, honestly. Stanford week two, that was brutal for USC. Arizona, I mean, despite only playing 12 games, the Cats gained one game. They didn't play in a bowl game, right? The Cats gained 30-plus yards 40 times in a play, which is 12th in the FBS. You know, Tate and Tate wasn't even fully healthy. He's their biggest weapon. He's a boomer bust plug guy, right? He could do it all on his legs, in the air. I mean, he was a Heisman candidate, a Heisman dark horse last season. And, you know, everyone had big expectations with someone coming in, Tate. He couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't really adjust to the system because he's not healthy. I mean, in their second year together, can they make a difference? Can they do something crazy? Sure. I think it's a boomer bust year for Arizona. They're either going to be really good or they're just not going to be good at all. I don't think there's going to be any in between. Right, they get older across the board. The issue again is is the conference road games at USC, at Stanford, at Oregon, at or at Arizona State. Go two and two in those games, and you're contending, and you're playing for something. Go one and three, and go zero oh and four. See ya. Goodbye. Adios. Thanks for coming. Again, though, the, the USC's campus is beautiful. This campus was sick, though. Really, really gorgeous. Um, Arizona State, they're my number four. Super fun. Herm Edwards is there. He's cool as shit. They lose Manny Wilkins, they're the quarterback, and obviously they lose a receiver sensation, Akil Harry, who was my favorite receiver last year. Uh, you know, Benjamin is back. He ran for 300 times last year for, for 1,600 yards, which is amazing. But 300 times, it's like a lot, of, it's a lot for a college back. Can he stay healthy this season? It's it, it's going to be a big one, right? He that's going to be a big question mark, right? It, it's a lot of mileage on a young kid. So if he's healthy, that he'll be the focal point of the offense. Um, they have two tough road games at Utah and at Michigan State, which is an out of conference game, which is not somewhere you want to play. So we'll see what happens there. UCLA, I mean, a guy to watch there is Joshua Kelly at the running back. He's good, but outside of that, I mean. I don't know. Chip Kelly, it's going to be a work in progress. He's got to make his mark. He's got to reestablish himself before anything serious can happen. Uh, Mel Tucker is in Colorado, former Georgia coordinator. He did wonders at Georgia, but he doesn't have the same personnel and defense. So, again, that's a building block. He's going to have to retool. Uh, LaVisca Chenault is is my new favorite receiver in the Pac-12. So, look, get excited about him. He could be a first-rounder. Some top games in the Pac-12. Washington at Stanford, October 5th. Oregon at Washington, October 19th. Oregon at Stanford, September 21st. Notre Dame. I'm just going to include them at Stanford, November 30th. Please, this this is the game where Notre Dame gets take down, I, taken down. I know it. And Stanford at SC. Some top players to watch, Justin Herbert, KJ Costello, Jacob Eason, LaVisca Chenault, Khalil Tate, and I'll throw in Trey Adams and Walker Little. Trey Adams of Washington, Walker Little of, of Stanford, two offensive tackles who could be first-round picks. Keep an eye on those guys. Going to be blocking for some seriously good quarterbacks and some seriously good programs. The Pac-12, and the, the, these are the two most wide-open conferences, I think. Right? Big Ten and Pac-12. Like, Michigan is the favorite, Washington's the favorite, but both are kind of like, they both remind me of each other in a weird way. Like, they're the favorite, but there's no reason Oregon can't take down Washington. There's no reason Ohio State can't take down Michigan again. It's just, you know, there's anything could happen. Oregon's going to be ranked higher than Washington. I just I just don't think they'll, they'll beat them out. 
right? I think Peterson will get it done. I think he, he's an elite. I think he's a tier one coach in college football. I think he always packs in a good defense. But it should be interesting, Big Ten. It should be real. I mean, Big Ten, I think, always puts together some of the best football. I think it puts together the second best football behind the SEC as far as games go, right? I think they've had some really good games in the Big Ten. I thought the Ohio State-Penn State game last year was phenomenal. The the Michigan the Michigan versus Ohio State game is always good. Michigan State always has good games across the board. Nebraska is going to be exciting. Wisconsin is going to be exciting with John Taylor. I, I I think it's some good football over there. And Washington State they'll put up the points. They'll they'll beat the shit out of each other. And the, and just, the issue is it's just so poorly televised. I think they have games on Fridays, which are it's kind of awkward. You know, I guess it's cool sometimes, but it's a little awkward for me. And they just, it's so late on the East Coast, it, it just kind of falls flat on a Saturday, right? Because you're watching and you're drinking all day for the Big 12, SEC, and, and, and the, you know, ACC and the Big 10. And, and then they just fall flat come nighttime. It, 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 and unfortunately, they get overshown. Um, but I think if they could be televised better, I think the Pac-12, you know, they'll pack a good punch. Um, I think you'll see some exciting games out of there. Again, I think those games, especially Washington versus Oregon, should be an amazing game this year. It was an amazing game last year, right, 30-27 to 27 in Oregon's favor. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in this upcoming college football season in these two conferences. Um, I don't think the Heisman winner will come out of here, but a first overall pick could. In either conference, one could have the first overall pick. So it's it's really exciting stuff. And to all the fans out there, drag both feet in bounds. Swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they free. Throw that nasty right hook because we're absolutely wild and hit your free throws. Why? Because they free. We out you. We love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.